Son, you got a panty on your head. Just drive fast, see? Turn to the right! The first time I met Ed was in the county lockup in Tempe, Arizona. You're a flower you are. A day I'll never forget. I do. You bet I do. Okay, then. My lawless years were behind me. Our child-rearing years lay ahead. But <laughs> biology conspired to keep us childless. You go right back up there and get me a toddler. I need a baby tie. I got more than I can handle. At the time, Ed's little plan seemed like the solution to all our problems. And the answer to all our prayers. He's beautiful. What? Are you kidding? We got us a family here. I want Raven Jr. back. What's his name? Dad Jr. Hi, Jr. So far, we've just been using Jr. We call him Jr. Huggies and uh, whatever cash you got. Yeah, it, it COVID tests you before you it starts recording. Nice, convenient. It's the secret technology only podcasters and uh, the government has. <laughs> okay, uh, welcome to Western Kabuki. Uh, I am Wack Nicholson. Uh, I am joined by my esteemed co-host Bird Respector. Wait. Hello, Bird. And we are joined by our fabulous guest today, uh, Emily at I Hate New York Times, Bartlett Hines. How are you? Hello, I'm good. Good. So we just watched the movie together, um, which is fortunate uh, that we can all sort of come in fresh with it. Uh, But we watched Raising Arizona, which is a film I continuously confuse with leaving Las Vegas because they're both Nick Cage films with a place in the name. Right. And uh, an ing, an ing. Right. And you a southwestern thing, yeah, it's a whole, <laughs> it's a whole deal. Um, so initial uh, reactions, what do you guys think? Uh, Emily, you go first. You had some really good insights. So if you have not subscribed to our Patreon, uh, you should, and you will hear a lot of Emily's very good insight and theories that I think would be a good place to start with. Yeah, um, great movie, five bags of popcorn, two bags of soda, But I would say this is a movie about people in the Reagan era trying to live up to the Reaganite family values social ideal. It's kind of spelled out for you in the beginning when he says that it's hard to live in Reagan's America. Um, And commenting on this idea that is present in family values. discourse and ideology this idea that well you know you should just love your spouse love your kids want to have kids want to have a big family and if you do that you know you will be you'll be a good person you'll be able to sustain this life that is promoted to you in media and this movie is showing us these people want to do all that um hi loves his wife they just want to have kids. They want to do what they're supposed to. And everyone who sees this baby loves the baby instantly. This movie is not like cynical about the possibility of loving your baby. Um, but rather than that leading to what it's supposed to lead to, it leads to just utter chaos. Yeah. 
Yeah, to the point where um, there's the the line, and I'm paraphrasing, but every day that we don't bring a baby into this world is like a sin. Basically. A day, yeah, it's a day he might regret not having been here. Yes, correct. So, like the it's Cohen brothers, right? So the politics are there. They're a little bit, maybe a little more subtle than in some of the other movies, but it's definitely there. The I guess the way they skewer Reaganism is definitely there. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I uh, beyond that, I just think that there's like a lot of, you know, kind of headier themes of like interpretations of, of of Leonard Smalls and things like that. What does he mean? The dichotomy of high trying to be a, a good dad or a good person or a good American, however, whatever lens you want to like view that through, versus his kind of like dark side, which is portrayed or I guess by Leonard Smalls, as I think we talked about a little bit in the premium episode. Uh, I don't know. Uh, that's one of my, I'm going to save some of my thoughts on that for later, but again, this is one of my favorite movies and, uh, I, I, you know, I love talking about it. What do you think, Wack? Yeah. Um, going with the Leonard Smalls thing, because he is a sort of interesting part of this film because he's not really in it a lot, but he seems very significant and then he dies at the end. And, um, specifically about that, uh, what it just occurred to me, um, which probably will have occurred to listeners earlier if they've already listened to the premium, but the, uh, um, he's basically the character from, fuck, what's that movie called? The guy with love and hate tattooed on his knuckles. Oh, uh, 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 Mitchum, yes, um. Yes. Why can't I remember? The book, I can remember that the book was by Grub, but I can't remember the name of the goddamn movie. Um, uh, it's like about the devil and stuff. This Jesus movie has a lot Christ. of common. I'm not going to pretend to sound smart and know this because I don't. I know, I know the tattoo. Night of the Hunter. Night of the Hunter. Yes, and this movie actually has a lot in common with uh, <laughs> Night of the Hunter in terms of themes about like. I did not think of that. Yeah, that guy is the ultimate child stealer. Yeah. Um. So that is a. Uh, probably very much on purpose and we didn't <laughs> mention it at all but that's like a big like i did film not catch that film. it's a good one yeah so yeah what did i think of the movie in general i thought it was great i think it's very lovable i think there's a lot of uh redeeming qualities about all the characters and i think that that's it's hard because so much of film criticism and you know it's easy for us to like turn to twitter especially children on twitter and be like you know that movie's literally about a murderer why do you like that movie? <laughs> <laughs> but someone out there has been like stealing a baby is literally not funny right <laughs> how could you Nathan possibly jr was it? literally a minor and neurodivergent <laughs> <laughs> people whose children have been kidnapped would be so triggered by this yeah yeah you need to put a content warning before the, the film about kidnapping um, but the, uh, yeah, content warning if you've been kidnapped for Raising Arizona, but there's going to be a lot of discussions about kidnapping, so, mm -hmm. uh, and a bit about catnapping, uh, from a, uh, uh, link that, uh, yeah, uh, we can, we can so. discuss real life <laughs> examples of kidnapping in the news. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, but the, uh, the movie in general, I think it's just, uh, it's really fun and it's. You know, it it sort of it doesn't drag, but it does feel a lot fuller than being an hour and twenty five minutes or whatever it is. Um, Have you guys read the Ebert review of this movie? No, no. Do you have it up? I don't have it up. Let me find it. No, he says it drags. He's like, oh, they drag out every scene. 
so much and that's it's like so really funny. yeah that's 1987 for you uh, a tight 90 movie dragging is very funny to me he's uh he's he's lucky he didn't live to uh be in the era of movies that we are now in terms of movies yeah i don't know when the like the ballooning of movie length modern era really started i think late 90s after um Titanic and then the Star Wars movies yeah. were longer than the original ones and then it just yeah. became a thing like I mean I don't even get it I don't understand like I've talked to like people I know I knew a girl whose like boyfriend was obsessed with Marvel movies and she was like I just like she knew I I mean I like superhero stuff or whatever but she was like hey I'm sorry I, I just really don't like the Marvel movies because they're too long and I was like no I think they're too long too I don't know why they all have to be two and a half hours long and all have a scene where like well, we everybody needs to get their quips in Otherwise, yeah. you don't sell so many toys. <sighs> yeah. I, I, the, the secret is they'll sell the toys anyway. Like, who gives a shit? Put Iron Man in a, <laughs> in a green costume, and now it's a new guy that you can Get buy. a whole new toy to sell. All right. Yeah. Who okay. cares? Yeah, this is a complete pan by Ebert. He says, everyone talks funny. He found the dialogue too stylized <laughs> and sort of poetic for these hayseeds. And he said, forced and mannered style. Which is funny because these are the things that make the movie beautiful and perfect. Um, right. He's, you know, obviously he's Roger Ebert. Like, he, he's got it, but he, I don't know. That's a surprising, I, I've have never there, read I, that before. Have either he of says, you seen his, um, the movie he made? Oh, yeah, Beyond the Valley of the Dolls? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Love it. Fantastic. <laughs> but it's, like, so funny when he gives reviews like that that are like, oh, this movie, it's, like, it's too weird. <laughs> right. Like, he does it all. He actually went in on uh, David Lynch, uh, pretty pretty famously, and Lynch yeah, he doesn't like it. like Lost Highway or something, right? <laughs> like, he doesn't yeah, like. It was um, Mulholland Drive, maybe. Oh, yeah, was it he, Mulholland Drive? So one of, I mean, uh, he hates David Lynch, but or hated David Lynch, but like David Lynch took his review kind of like the whole uh, Freddie Got Finger and Tom Green thing. It was like uh, he hates this movie, so this is one more reason you should watch it, kind of thing, which is very funny. I mean, I, I have right next to me a book of roger ebert's five-star reviews so like i obviously like the guy but he very much missed it here roger ebert is such a singular figure in the culture in that like he he has no reason to have any cultural cachet there's no reason anybody should recognize his name now when we were younger like he every movie would mention their review from ebert and mm -hmm. so it was like it just had this like hold on people, but like it doesn't matter. Nobody has a favorite reviewer. Nobody is like, yeah, checking out what I don't know. This I mean, that's said. that's like a, a different era of like storytelling in movies, where like you saw a movie back then because of the director almost, or maybe one of the leading actors, of course. But like you knew, like if. If the Cohen brothers, I mean, they were young, young, too young for this to, to really apply to them. Like Stanley Kubrick, you saw a Stanley Kubrick movie, and the fact that Stanley Kubrick was making a new movie was like newsworthy, because back then, like, you followed directors because they were the auteurs. They were like the 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 lens through which you like you, you viewed movies, and so back then, a guy like Roger Ebert or Siskel and Ebert, <laughs> that was like kind of kind of like the corollary to that where. You cared about what Siskel and Ebert thought about this, or or yeah. some other more prominent yeah. reviewers. You know, that, I think it's that's you know, all the way we. Because everybody's a letterboxed. 
Um, quick note, Schwarzwelder, the Simpsons writer, apparently only saw Kubrick movies. He would see every new Kubrick movie in theaters, and other than that, he never went to the movie theater. Insane. So he would go to the insane. movies like once oh, every insane. several years. Yeah, that's the so the early and pretentious. I love it. The golden the golden era of Simpsons is like so perfectly mm-hmm. encapsulate what happens when you get like just the strangest men in a room together. Yes, <laughs> <of> characters. <laughs> just a group of weird little guys. Yeah. Just really strange guys. Um, yeah, but back to the the film we watched. Uh, so this is about uh, basically Nicolas Cage is a convict who is a smooth talker who. Uh, what's his character's name? I'm bad with characters. Hi, H I H I McDonough. H.I. McDonough. Uh, he's a multiple convict. He's been uh, up for parole several times, gotten it sometimes, not gotten it other times. Pretty much every time he does get it, he robs a convenience store. Yes, exact same and... crime every time. Not, <laughs> not robbing anywhere else. Um, and he is, every time he is caught, he is also slowly seducing the cop that takes his picture, who is Ed, played by Holly Hunter, is a woman named Ed. And um, once he is finally let out for parole and decides to turn from his life of crime, he proposes to Ed and they move in together and they decide they want to have a child. But bad news, Ed is barren. She cannot get pregnant. So they also on the day she is uh, found to be um, found to be barren, the uh, a a well-known couple the Arizonas are giving birth to five babies all at once. And so they decide that they are going to steal one baby because they figure that the, the, the Arizonas won't miss just one baby. It's yes, more baby they, they can handle. Yeah. I think they still, they specifically say in some quote, the guy is like, it's more baby than we can handle. And they take it literally. It's <laughs> like, Oh, they can't handle this. Oh, so he does say that it's not just like, I, thought there was a quote shown in one of those headlines um where they quote him saying it's more babies than we can handle well then you know not to blame the victim but you know, right you say in the yeah. newspaper that you uh have too many babies somebody's gonna come take one off your hands yeah they should have been like yeah we got this don't worry um, so they contrive to ha- steal the baby um there's a very Lovable slapstick scene in which uh, H.I. Nicholas Nicholas Cage's character goes into the quintuplets bedroom and uh, the baby's names are like Larry, Gary, Jerry, Harry Harry. and Nathan Jr. (laughs) Um, And Nathan Jr. So the guy who owns it, he owns a unpainted furniture emporium called is it called Arizona Unpainted? Unpainted Arizona. Unpainted Arizona. And um, he is, I mean, we kept on calling him a deals guy. He is like a Donald Trump character. He is the Donald Trump of unpainted furniture. Like if Donald there. Trump didn't have rich parents, this he would be unpainted Arizona for sure. But spoiler alert, yeah, but spoiler alert, he is revealed at the end to be much less Trumpian than the viewer might have previously assumed. He backs That's out true. on a deal at the end, and we <laughs> his <laughs> final terrible deal he deal. walked away from the worst deal, one of the worst we've ever seen <laughs> uh, from the of, standpoint of deals. A lot of bad deals in this movie. <laughs> um, 
so Nick Cage ends up trying to steal a baby while corralling the other four. He's very conflicted, and then he leaves. He does not take a baby. And Holly Hunter tells him to go back in and get a baby for her. So he does, uh, except for this time it's a little messier with the getaway. They see that the baby's gone. Or do they? Am I wrong about that? Later they do. Oh, yeah, yeah, the next morning. But uh, anyway, he takes the baby. It's uh, they, they end up taking Nathan Jr. And they go back to their place and then basically have a housewarming for the baby. Yes, they have a welcome home son sign. They show him around. And he's kind of his actual age is a little unclear. Like they call him a toddler at certain points. So it seems that some time has passed. And he appears to be about two. He does refer to him as a toddler multiple times, but they're supposed to be newborns. So it's a little. But they're all crawling and stuff like newborns can't even do that. And they certainly don't look like newborns at all. No, they don't. Um, No. But um, one of you mentioned that there was some sort of issue with the babies. A lot of babies got fired. Yeah, yeah. Company. So again, uh, subscribe to the Patreon. But like, uh, the Coen brothers had to fire multiple babies from this, which is hilarious because they weren't supposed to be as old, and they were walking around and too hard to control. And I just read a thing while we were um, getting ready for this that one of the mothers of the babies was so desperate to like not have her baby fired that she put the baby's shoes on backwards <laughs> to make it so so it wouldn't walk so you know <laughs> incredible stuff um yeah i mean the coen brothers have a reputation for being pretty exacting on set as do a lot of those kinds of art auteur type guys to be um, a fly on the wall while they fired a baby it would be very funny <laughs> <to listen>. yes <laughs> which uh, i mean one of them has to be the hard ass, right? One of them has yeah. to be the guy. Who good good is cop like, and the bad cop. It's Ethan. Ethan is the hard ass. You well, think it, Ethan's the hard ass? I have no basis oh, okay. for that, but yes. I'm just guessing. <laughs> it kind of sounds like the, the baby played Nathan Arizona. It kind of sounds like that was just a spur of the moment decision. Like those yeah. weren't real child star parents. They were just like, oh, how fun would it be? To audition our kid for that. And then he got it. And that was his only movie, right? Yes, it was. So that's funny that you mentioned that. Uh, Like a lot of the smaller and extra actors for this were just locals, uh, Tempe, Tempe, Arizona locals. And I read an interview from the kid who grew up, uh, you know, uh, fairly within the last few years, article about Nathan, Arizona. And uh, he doesn't give a shit about this movie at all. It's very funny. He's just like, yeah, I just grew up. My dad would tell people that I was the kid from that movie or whatever. And he's just. Completely ambivalent, but he didn't That's, turn up. He didn't turn obnoxious about it like that baby from the Nirvana album cover, yeah, did yeah. he? Because that he baby lot, grew no. up to be annoying. That's he's zero out of ten at as far as baby yeah. stars go. That Fuck guy. that baby. <laughs> <laughs> he's still going around talking about how it was child born. Like, oh my god, fuck off! Like, and I, he just like wished he just thought he should have gotten more money, right? And it's like you yeah, didn't do anything. Exactly. Like, what did you contribute to that record? Nothing. You didn't play any instruments. He's an idiot. He didn't even have an idea for the photo of the baby going for the dollar. Like, none yeah. of that. he didn't come up with any of that. He's a fucking baby. He didn't come up with shit. And, he and was... see, if he had, if he had done ahead. anything, if he had, like, become a film director or an actor or played an instrument, he could, like, perform as 
the baby from Nevermind. Baby, yeah. Forever. <laughs> and he was gifted such a cool story. Like, you know, when you're a freshman in college and they go around, like, tell us something interesting about yourself. Oh, he was yeah. gifted the best. Tell us something interesting about yourself of all time. And he's a complete ingrate about it. Champion of two truths and a lie every time. Yes. Oh, man, you got to have a good lie for, like, the interesting thing. But do you guys ever have a funny lie that you would say to get people to believe stuff like that? Uh, let me think. I think I did. What was yours? Mine was, you remember that <laughs> Robin Thicke song, Blurred, Li- Blurred Lines? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There's the, the guy that did the woo in the background. Yeah. You claim to be him. I would tell people that I was the studio musician who did the woo in Thicke Lines. <laughs> and it was such a small thing that everyone all would always believe me. So stupid. Anyway, That's a good one. You got you to gotta have a lie for that moment in your life. I'm just telling you guys. Uh, my dad worked in a um, job that put him in a position where he could uh, meet a lot of famous people. So uh, that game was always easy for me because the truth would just be like, oh, I don't think I've ever said this to you, Caleb, but the tr- the, the lie that I would always tell would be that I like birds, which I don't. I'm uh, <laughs> <laughs> pretty serious phobia of birds. Really? Yeah. That's uh, so funny. Yeah, my wife was like the other day, she's like, how are you going to break it to him that he, you don't like birds, <laughs> that you don't respect birds? You know, it's very funny that everybody is always like, thinks that I'm some like fucking maniac about birds or something. I like birds. <laughs> yeah, fuck yeah, they're cool. Uh, parrots and crows and all that shit. They can use simple tools to solve complex problems, multiple steps. That's great. I'm not really like a bird guy so like when i made that you're not the bird defender you're the bird respect no i just like him man like i was like when i was going back to college i made that twitter handle and i was like oh yeah i'll study ornithology fuck it you know and then i realized you get 13 dollars an hour if you have a phd i was like (laughs) maybe i'll go do business (laughs) like an asshole i have been trying to become one of those people who befriends crows for years i never see any crows that is cool if there were were crows if there were crows on my block i would be feeding them i would be making friends with them they can say words too they can speak well they they bring you stuff like if they learn if they Mm -hmm. like figure that something is valuable or desired by you they'll just bring it like they brought people money and shit yeah, yeah, it's usually, it's usually, from my experience anyway, I never got money. It's usually gum wrappers, but they do bring you gifts and it's very endearing. God, I would love that. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, yeah, so my, my two truths would always be like famous people I had met or I'd just be like, I wore a World Series ring, which is true, but everybody will just be like, oh, that's the obvious lie and I would win every time. Hell yeah, that's a good one. I did a shot of liquor out of a Grammy, some guy's Grammy, but everyone, hell yes. Everyone who has lived in Nashville for any length of time has done that, but for others, <laughs> that's, uh, yeah, my brother has done that actually. Nice. <laughs> he lives in Nashville. Um, so, uh, the plot of the film. Uh, what happens next? Uh, they bring the baby home, and there's a bit of a montage. It's a pretty quick, like, sort of thing. Like everything's going great, but at so the same time, so we're basically just got out of the prologue at this point when they get him home right yeah so the prologue like the prologue ends when they decide to steal the baby they Mm -hmm. steal the baby and then once the baby's home uh two things happen next day the parents find out that their baby's gone second thing that happens nicholas cage's friends from prison break out um where they are basically given birth to by the earth and they come out with fresh newborn babes um as they escape from prison a la Shawshank Redemption, although this movie came out before Shawshank. 
But not before uh, the but not before the story Viking yeah. was written. No, um, no, and that and that and that scene is in the story. So who can say which yeah. came from what? Um, and they immediately get pomade in their hair and they rinse off and then they go to Nicolas Cage's house. And Holly Hunter is not happy to see this. Uh, Ed wants them out. Um, H.I. asks for just a couple days for them to get on their feet. Uh, they are a nuisance pretty much the entire time they are there. Are they there when the family comes to visit? No, they've been told no. to oh. wait. Remember, they were drinking Coca-Cola while eating cereal, and they tried to get uh, Nick- Nicholas Cage high to come out with them, or he tried to yeah. sneak out with them. Oh, but they went out. But they did go out so yeah, that they did go out. sister could yeah. come over. Yeah. And that's uh, played by Francis McDormand. And what's that guy's name? Sam McMurray? McMichael? Sam, uh, uh, Sam, yeah, Sam McDonald or McDormand. McDonald's? Sam McDormand. Some sort of Irishman. And he, um, he, they're the worst. They have like four or five kids. They're all terrible. They're running around. It's actually hard. Sam McMurray, that's what it was. Um, they are all just running around like um, little terrible pieces of shit. Demons and just destroying things, injuring each other. Hilarious scene. Art on the wall. <laughs> um, and yeah, so basically it's kind of a, you know, you're seeing what uh, Nathan Jr. could grow up to be in certain circumstances. They're kind of horrified by it. Um, and meanwhile, now we were talking over a lot of this, so I didn't get a lot of the details, but, um, Sam McMurray's character, the husband whose character's name is Glenn, uh, basically puts out a very unsubtle feeler to H.I. that he wants to have sex with Holly Hunter. H.I., okay, (laughs) H.I. is just sort of, um, trying to... Trying to share his feelings about how stressed he's starting to get about what family life is going to be like. It seems like possibly he's partially just stressed because he's like wanted by the law um, and has wanted criminals staying in his house. But he's also stressed now about like having to get the baby's booster shots and stuff. But he's like, what do you what do you do about starting to feel stifled by life? And this guy starts hinting and then stating it explicitly that he thinks they should swing and the two couples should wife swap together, which is not what he wanted to do. And he gets punched in the face for making this suggestion because he sort of floats it as like a, well, I can't get my wife pregnant again and you're clearly fertile. So why don't you get her pregnant? But then it also is like, and you know, if you're getting, if you're having sex with her, maybe I could, right yeah he's like well we all think each other is cute right yeah and he says take your goddamn hands off my wife which is funny because he hasn't even never touched her yeah he's not to be fair touched her at all (laughs) but um yes they he gets punched in the face they leave in a huff they take all their damn kids with them and then i cannot recall what happens next i could look up the wikipedia thing but also like Uh, the Wikipedia. Think, does is this when the biker shows up? Maybe. I think. That's oh when yes, they have we the do dream have to... about yeah. Oh yes, so Nicholas Cage is having this reoccurring dream that Nathan Junior is going to grow up to be a bad person if he's raised improperly, and he's worried that the environment that they're in is going to cause that. And at the same time, this dream is sort of manifesting as like a very scary man on a bike, uh, who turns out to be a real man, um, 
who is uh, driving through the desert trying to... Well, we don't know his purpose, but we do learn through his different sort of... I don't even know what you'd call them, like cutaways. Like it's not, It doesn't appear to be related. A lot of it seems like a dream, but then he turns out to be a real guy who is looking for Nathan Jr. because there is a reward for Nathan Jr. He's a bounty hunter. Yes, a man hunter. And occasionally he hunts babies as well, is what he says. And he is just the nastiest, worst kind of guy. Nicolas Cage is worried that his kid is going to grow up to be that kind of guy. Um, he is then deciding to leave the baby behind and go off with his life of crime so that Holly Hunter can raise the baby by herself because um, she he's worried that he's a bad influence. Um, he doesn't want his baby to grow up to be that dirty. Yeah, he's kind of yes. being like the shitty 1950s dad who like goes out for a pack of smokes and never comes back, <laughs> but framing it as like, oh, I'm inviting like bad influences yeah. and bad he's energy. He's doing it, but it's woke. He's doing it, but it's woke. He's like, you'll actually, maybe you won't thank me for this, but like you should because it's going to help you. It's yeah, it's like a boy named Sue at the end where he's like, Well, I had to do it. There's no other way around yeah, it. Just gaslighting his whole family. You love to see it. <laughs> and then like coming back thirty years later with like a twenty two year old wife and being like, I just thought it'd be better for you, son. <laughs> I did it all for you, my boy. <laughs> like a a girl who was not born the last time he saw his son. Uh but the uh, the, as he's writing the note, they they go to so Nathan Arizona, the the unpainted furniture magnate, is very upset. There's a lot of him just being mad at the cops. He's he's fully a cab. He's fully uh, an anarchist, fully ready to burn down a cop's uh, yeah, car. He's like and, fuck the police. <laughs> and he um, it. it it cuts to that and then back to Nick Cage and we see he's still writing the letter, but it's daytime now. And John Goodman and, and the other guy, they uh, I didn't I don't think I mentioned the, the, the ex-prison guys are played by John Goodman and somebody else. A uh, guy who I don't think we even came up with his name. Before. Not as famous a guy. The character's name is Avell, I think. It was. Yes. Uh, William Forsythe. Forsythe. Yeah. yeah. Oh, he's in The Devil's Rejects. I like that movie. He's in a couple Tracy. things. He didn't. He was in Dick Tracy. I remember that. He was, he was in a couple things, but really, I think he just did more TV. He wasn't super successful. Oh, he's a Christian actor. That is really. Oh, <laughs> well, wow. I'm just gonna say it. That'll sink your career in Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> he is in a movie called Roe v. Wade. The truth comes <gasps> out on April second. Oh shit, we're reviewing wow. that next. Let's do it. Let's oh, fucking man. go. Abandon the premise of this podcast. <laughs> Just go go where your heart takes Honestly, this also- dude really does look like a Christian actor who's gonna appear with like mm. Kevin Sorbo and some anti yeah. really Well, has funny that you should funny you should mention being in a Kevin Sorbo movie because Easy. Kevin Sorbo dies in the first God's Not Dead, but this guy <laughs> is in the third God's Not Dead. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, there's only so many Christian filmmakers. It was bound to be some sort of through line there. Yeah. And the guy who makes God Not Dead makes about half of those movies. So, um, Christ. <laughs> uh, so the two convicts have a plan. There's some little crappy bank out in the desert that they keep on calling a hayseed bank. And there's all sorts of like 
people who are going to be depositing their money on like a payday or whatever. So farmers all come in on a certain oh, yeah, day. Yeah, all the farmers. So yeah. again, uh, if you listen to the Patreon episode, subscribe, you'll realize we did some Red Dead 2 um, theory talking there where that's where they possibly where they got the storyline for the Valentine's Bank. Heist. It's very similar. Yeah. Very <laughs> similar. And so they have this plan to rob the bank. Uh, Nicholas Cage is conflicted. He wants to uh, basically go on a life of crime to support himself, not to like become rich. And, and he's lost his, lost his job at this point. Did we mention the right. guy he punched was his boss? So now he. Oh, was he? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I missed that. Entirely. Yeah, no. The guy when the guy shows up in the in the very next scene. Yeah, the guy is his boss at the steel whatever factory whatever it is yeah Shop. no Hudsucker industries yes at Hudsucker industries Hudsucker industries and that is why he is like now he's like okay i gotta get some money coming in yes so he is kind of conflicted and he goes to rob a convenience store for some money and some pampers that he's going to like give to holly hunter before he abandons his family it kind of seems like yeah. It, it, yeah, leave them set up with money and pampers. Yes. So he does that. <laughs> one, um, one, one bag of diapers and like, like $73. <laughs> yeah, fine. I mean, even 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 the most op- optimistic guess of like 400 bucks in a cash register. Good point. And, yeah. a, and a, a single pack of diapers. Emily, I don't know. Do you have children? No, I don't. No, okay. So but yeah, I've, it's clearly, yeah, it takes more to raise <laughs> them than you get from a single. That would be my guess. That convenience would be my guess. store hit. Well, was he going to, when he, do you think he was planning to give her the money after he does the Hayseed Bank hit? Like, I can't quite Maybe. remember. That was like the startup money. But I'm that saying, would set her up. H.I., you got to at least, you got to hit up a Costco if you're going to do this mm. at least. Yeah, I'm going to say if there's three dudes, uh, one of which recently got out of prison and two of which escaped from prison, uh, and there's three dudes who just robbed a bank and the wife of one of those dudes just became very wealthy, I think it's going to be pretty easy <laughs> to figure out what happened there. <laughs> but I don't know if, if he thought, thought that far ahead because he doesn't do it with them. Uh, he sort of gets in a little scuffle as he's trying to steal those diapers. And um, has to run from the cops. Uh, the cops, he basically loses the money right away before he's even out of the parking lot. Holly Hunter leaves with the baby before he can get in. So she's safe from the cops. But the police are just absolutely going ape shit, driving through people's fences, shooting into neighborhoods. Uh, they are lighting up the suburban neighborhood. <laughs> just like running through people's houses, waving guns at children. and. Um, they do not catch him. She eventually catches up with him. It's a long scene. It's a, it's a, it's a treat. But I'm not really going to be able to describe. Like, then he's in the basement. You just the need dogs to watch that. Yeah. yeah, there's the based dogs. Yeah, the based or racist dogs, depending on your political persuasion. You just gotta watch it. It's hilarious. <laughs> um, one little Easter egg I heard. Somebody said that the um the music in the two stores is the same song as the like hillbilly music theme music to the film but it's just a music version of the same <laughs> melody i didn't get a chance to oh so it's like that yodeling but it's in like yeah a... it's the same yeah. tune but it's done in music and i couldn't quite hear well enough when i rewatched 
to confirm for myself, yeah. but uh, Carter Burwell did the music for this, and he did the music for most of um, Coen Brothers movies. Uh, but he does a lot of stuff like that. I would not be surprised. He really likes the uh, yeah sort of winking sort of music cues. Yeah, I'm sure, exactly. especially considering because like the um the the it's like the, called the Fooling Around Suite by uh um oh my god why am I blanking on his name the socialist Woody Guthrie uh so that was like public domain and that's where he took that and the Ode to Joy thing and everything so this movie had a really small budget so I wouldn't be surprised if they did that just yeah. so they could kind of fool just around a, with it for free yeah basically. sort of paper over already sort of copyright issues um yeah that's really cool uh so that whole this whole chase scene big action scene happens uh the one notable thing is that pretty much every individual involved uh has a firearm except or nick cage has one too everybody is um pointing guns at each other in, the, in this scene um but he gets away with the he gets away holly hunter picks him up he gets in the car with them they circle around they get the pampers they go home and then Nick Cage decides he wants out of this life. Uh, he tells it to the two dudes. Uh, they get mad. John Goodman beats the shit out of him. And then together they take the baby and they go to rob the bank. Are they planning on taking the baby to get the ransom? No, out? this is yeah. the, the one missing detail here is they overheard a conversation between him and... The, uh, oh, Glenn, when he the, came. To the, the disgruntled house. boss. Yeah, the disgruntled oh, boss yeah. has read the newspapers and figured out that this is a kidnapped baby. And because he talked really loud, they both heard. So now they're mm -hmm. like, we're going to get through. Yes. And it's $25,000. And so they want the baby, but they're also going to rob the bank with the baby, uh, which As one I would have. I would have done this in a different order of operations, I think. <laughs> they don't want like a dog sigh in hot cars type scenario with just leaving this baby in case they're killed in case they're killed in a shootout absolutely and also like just get the i mean specifically because if you get the reward and then you go and rob a bank mm. nobody is going to be like those guys just got twenty five thousand dollars i bet the first thing they want to do is mm. rob a bank yeah so then you're set for life that's actually really smart so commit one really bad crime and then a lesser crime and then it's going to look fine. It's going to come out in the wash. <laughs> mm. um, and But yeah, that is not the way they do it. And so at this point, um, Tex uh, is on their tail. The bad guy um, who is looking for the baby has um, talked to Nathan Arizona Sr., he has set up a deal to find the baby. Nathan Arizona Sr. thinks he has stolen the baby, but he's like, no, nah, I'm going to get your baby back. Yes, Leonard, uh, Leonard Smalls. Leonard Smalls, played by Randall Tex Cobb, um, who is also in Ace Ventura Pet Detective, playing basically the same character. He's in Naked Gun 33 and a third, playing basically the same character. I was in Naked uh, Gun 2, that's so funny. Yeah, he just plays the same, just a menacing oaf. That's what he does. Yeah. Um yeah, he's credited on Naked Gun as being the big hairy con. <laughs> <laughs> and in Ace Ventura, he was credited as being Gruff Man. Oh, and he was a reoccurring <laughs> character in Walker, Texas Ranger, which makes perfect sense. Really? Yes. Very good. <laughs> um, also uh uh a boxer and a kickboxer, I'd be able to 
I'll see. Yeah, he's it. he's a real rough looking character. He does not look like he's there to be fucked with. Well, um, also, it just gets progressively filthier throughout the movie, which is very funny. To me. Yes, like, watch yes. it again. He just gets dirtier and dirtier. I don't know why they did that, but they did it, and it's funny. I've been watching these. Um, I've been watching these like videos on YouTube that are like video essays, but they're about sort of like horror adjacent things, like serial killers and whatnot. And what he looks like in this movie is somebody who was in an extreme haunt. Do you guys know what that is? Oh, are those those haunted houses that like they like they like abuse people, yes. and injure people? Yeah, there's one of those in Nashville, I think. Is there? Yeah. So Will you guys explain what this is to me. Yes, absolutely. What so the a fuck are you talking about? So an extreme haunt is they call themselves a haunted house. It's not really a haunted house. Uh, basically, what it is is you sign up to be tortured. Um, so there was a guy who like did the first one and he was, he gave a bounty of $22,000 to anybody who could survive eight hours and nobody did it. Um, but he would do things like basically waterboard people. He would like do light deprivation and then turn the lights up really high and he would play super loud music and he would put these things in your mouth that you couldn't get out. And he would like, I mean, it's basically like Abu Ghraib type of shit that they, that people would sign up to do to say like, oh, I'm a huge badass. I can do it. The The, the original uh, guy who did it uh, turned out to be a fraud. Um, like he basically, it's ended with COVID and what people have suspected is that it was like a, uh, he just never had enough money to run it. And it was just basically him and a couple teenagers he hired from around town. And then once COVID hit and the kids couldn't come help him with it, there was no way to keep it running. Uh, but yeah, they, they like one guy made it like seven hours. And the guy who ran it was like, no, no, you're going to get hypothermia. And he's like, I'm not going to get hypothermia. I've had hypothermia before. I'm a combat trained Marine. I will be fine. Let's do this last hour. And the guy's like, nope, nope, not safe. So he's just a fraud. You know, he's just. Oh, that's <laughs> bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but that's what this guy looks like at the end. Because everybody who comes out of those looks fucking gross because they've been like dragged through mud and punched in the face. And that's basically what this guy looks like. So yeah. he rolls up to the bank robbery scene in which John Goodman and the Christian movie guy are there. To hold up the bank, there is literally a man holding a chicken. Everybody, if you can picture a small town farmer, this is basically what everybody at that bank looks like. Uh, and the bank is is pretty much, uh, if if I said 1930s old timey bank, you pretty much have probably imagined what it looks like. If you uh, if you live in Arizona, it'll be familiar because it is just what you see in your day to day life every day. Yeah, that's that's my guess is that just everyone is either a QAnon influencer in yeah. Arizona or looks like one of these people. The rest of us don't see it a lot, but in Arizona, <laughs> it's just like so, <laughs> so he uh, they're they're robbing the bank. They're doing the whole hold up, get everybody on the floor type of thing. Then this guy shows uh, Randall Texcott's character, Leonard Smalls, shows up. And he shows up because he has gone to Nick Cage's house. It's been destroyed because Nick Cage got the shit kicked out of him. Nick Cage and Holly Hunter are on their way to get the baby from the two criminals. And Leonard Smalls has gotten there first. And he goes to take the baby. And that is when Nick Cage and Holly Hunter show up. 
At the same time, John Goodman and the accomplice are going to the car. And while they're in the car, the dye bag explodes. And so the entire car is filled with paint. They can't see anything. Um, Nick Cage breaks into their car while they're panicking and trying to stop the vehicle. Uh, he sees that the baby is not there. Then they see the baby on the motorcycle. And then it is sort of a showdown fight scene between Nick Cage and Leonard Smalls. Um, Nick Cage bests him in combat, gets the baby back. And as they are driving back, Holly Hunter reveals that she feels pretty crummy about having stolen somebody's baby. And so they go back to the Arizona's house. Instead of just ringing the doorbell and giving back the baby, they break in again and put the baby back in its crib. Nathan Sr. comes in. They have a chat with Nathan Sr. He's like, did Leonard Smalls send you? Did you work with Leonard Smalls? They're like, no, that guy's just kind of like that. We stole the baby by ourselves. And then they refuse to take any reward. And then they go back home. And Nick Cage is lying in bed with his wife. And is sort of imagining the life that could have been if either, uh, if either uh, like John Goodman and uh, uh, his friend went back to jail. And then they sort of imagine sort of combining families with the Arizonas and being one big happy family. And Nick Cage and Holly Hunter can basically be the grandparents and have this sort of Norman Rockwell type of life. And that is the end of the film. Yeah, and it's unclear if this dream represents what is to come, what may be to come, or just a regular fantasy of what if life were perfect. And he says, oh, it's happened in some place nearby, not in Arizona, maybe in Utah. Yeah. Like, it's, that's what you're saying about, like, the the Reagan-esque dream. I think that line is, is exactly what that means. Like, it's not, it's still not attainable. It's happened somewhere nearby but will happen to you. It's just as like idealized version of, of what could happen. And so really what it's saying at the end there is not about whether or not this like situation has happened, but more about like who Nicholas Cage's character is like, yeah, it's just more about him than anything else. Yeah. yeah mm-hmm. And he thinks that things are going to turn out. Okay. Which I think is uh, kind of the message of a lot of Coen brothers movies is basically like, yeah, that was fucked up, but I think things will be fine now. <laughs> I mean, they almost say that word for word at the end of Burn After Reading. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now that I've killed this large, filthy man, my life is <laughs> Yes. Um, so I would give this a, a high rating. I think that, I think even among, we're, we're, Caleb and I, as we delve into this project, or I think would uh, fairly could say that we're all pretty highly cage-filled. But I think even if you are just a regular person, this is, I mean, it's one of the best movies of the 80s for sure. Oh, yeah. Was it nominated I, for an Oscar or anything? I don't, I don't think know. so. I, up. This, uh, I think this got kind of slept on a little bit. This is one of my favorite, like, um, like, hey, do you want to watch a movie? And I'm not sure what to put on. This is a really easy mm. one because I know I'm going to laugh. Um, and I know that it's usually pretty easy going. Uh, I did, I said I mentioned, I mentioned earlier on the premium episode that i watched this with a friend and she hated it she hated oh really i was really why did she hate it what did she say (laughs) uh she is a pretty infamous hater in general and just just didn't just didn't vibe with her and that's fine you know you know you don't nobody has to like every movie but uh 
yeah, for, for the most part, I think this is like the easiest like introduction to, first of all, the Coen brothers. This is a really easy one to, to get down because there's not so much subtextual. There is, but there's not as much subtextual stuff going on as there is in most of the other Coen brothers movies. But even to like, like the reason that I brought it to her was she's oh Nick Cage sucks as an actor, which, you know, I think a lot of people have that opinion, but I thought, well, raising Arizona would be the one to show somebody who has that opinion. And right. I, I still, I still maintain that I was uh, correct. Sort of. That's right. Emily, if you had to prove to somebody that Nick Cage was a good actor, who, what movie would you show them? I would show them, I think, Maybe Leaving Las Vegas, maybe this one. That was one. my second choice, yeah. Yeah, I mean, if someone watches Leaving Las Vegas and they don't, they're like, oh, that's bad acting. I don't know. I don't know where we would go from there. We just have a difference of opinion. Yeah, yeah I, I, I do think that there is a bit of an uphill thing person to person with being like i think it's gonna have to be what we said earlier of just like there's gonna have to be sort of a reckoning where people like all at once kind of they like they did with with other actors like keanu reeves or bob ross or whatever just sort of be yeah. like nick gage is very cool uh they're i mean he's gonna have to become epic bacon at some point yeah. for for people to well i mean i think there's also something to be said about the fact that nick cage i'll say does not do himself uh doesn't do himself a lot of favors uh, because he'll just be in anything. Right. You know? Um, yeah, I still think that, like, because he'll be in anything, I think that's more of a credit to his acting ability. I don't know why, like, I mean, I know you don't feel that way, but I know a lot of people are like, oh, he was in this weird, he was in, like, 10 films in 2007 or whatever, and it's like, yeah, did you watch any of those films? The movies were bad, but Nick Cage, like, nailed it every single fucking time. Like, well, Robert Mitchum would be in anything people asked him to. I think some of those maybe were under yeah. the studio system and he had to, but just in general, he would well, play that is, anything. That, was, that, that is his, like, that's why he does it, is because old Hollywood actors, because of the studio system, would have to do a bajillion things. And he wants to do that, too. Yes, he that wants to be like, I mean, you yeah. know, there's something to be said, maybe, about the fact that when he was a little bit in debt, that he was trying to make some of that back or or, or right. to whatever but i mean even before that it's true he just the guy wants to work constantly is always working yeah um i think if i were to show somebody a um i think if i were to show somebody a uh, nick cage movie to prove that he was a good actor i would probably pick the theatrical release of um of wicker man because it doesn't have the not the bees scene in it. And I do think he's very, very good in Wicker Man. Um, and he's not that crazy over the top thing the whole time. And it builds really well. And I think if you're just like, oh, this is a shitty mid-2000s horror movie. And then you watch it. It's like, I think it's got a lot to recommend it for for what it was. You know, especially in that era of like. I'm really looking forward to our Wicker Man episode. I didn't want to do it yeah. at first when you first pitched this to me because it was just too much, but I actually now I am very much looking forward to. I mean, we could even that. do I mean, we could even do like a double feature thing because I that's what I did. The first time I saw Nicolas Cage's Wicker Man, I watched the original like the yeah. next day. And um they're so different. It's very strange. I mean, we could do the triple feature and include Midsummer because it's similar to Basically, those Basically, Midsummer, yeah. Yeah, um, they're so different from each other where, like, they're very much, like, uh, 
nailed down to the time they were made because the original Wicker Man is like this really weird, heady, sort of anti-hippie type of thing. And then the newer one is more about like, I would say more along the lines of like an anti evangelical cults religion type of thing of, yeah uh, like and it was also supposed to be funny that's that's why everything i mean we've talked about that a little bit and we'll talk about it more but people just miss i don't know if we've point. talked about it on the podcast but it is mentioned by a lot of people who talk about nicholas cage and we've been really taking the deep dives yeah. into <laughs> yeah 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 we'll get that uh, that's a, a yeah. preview for a future episode for sure yeah i love uh, i love that movie i would definitely show that to somebody i i think um I think so much of his work just doesn't get recognized uh, for what it should be. And I think that Raising Arizona is like, I'm looking at the, um, I'm looking at the reviews from the time right now. Um, and uh, Pauline Kale said that it was God. no big deal, but it has rambunctious charm. Pauline Kale sucks, dude. Fuck Pauline <laughs> Kale. I never like her takes. No, she's the worst. She's the absolute worst. Like, I don't Ebert, know, like, at least, like, most of his reviews are on the money, and they all contain a charming inaccuracy about what actually happens in the plot. Pauline Kale, yeah. so fucking annoying and pretentious. Ebert is a real person. Yeah. Ebert has, has, he's a flesh and blood man. And he has weird eccentricities yes. and he's occasionally furious at a very benign mu movie and occasionally hates a very good movie. Yes. And Pauline Kale I mean, Kale when you review tries... that many movies, you're going to yeah. fuck up and miss sometimes, you know, right? Yeah. And I exactly. think if you're, that, if you're that level of critic where you're literally uh, commenting on everything, very quickly do your reviews just become like a, like a di diary about who you are as a person. So, yeah, we're going to ratio... Uh, we're going to ratio him for his take on this because that's what happens when you're a poster. Sometimes you use <laughs> this. Uh, yeah, he didn't like it, um, but Siskel did. Siskel gave it a thumbs oh. up. He said it as good looking as it is funny. Was what it Siskel is good said. looking. It's a great looking movie. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I think there's some really like awesome things like that uh, that match cut into the mattress where he can see him, himself talking in it and stuff. That was cool. A lot of really cool camera movements and little tricks they do. Um, and uh, I'm looking for other reviews. Washington Post said it's the best kidnapping comedy since Ruthless People. It's not a film I've ever heard of. Ruthless People. That sounds so familiar to me. Hang on. Maybe Steve Mark. I don't know. Uh, Danny it. DeVito, Judge okay. Reinhold, Bette Midler. Weird. Bill Pullman. <laughs> yeah. Wait, it's directed by three people. So you know it's good. <laughs> uh, it's directed by the Zucker. Oh, it's the Zucker Brothers. I think. Hmm. So, and this is 1986. So they said it was the best kidnapping comedy for one year. So it's not really. <laughs> 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 I thought this was going to be like some old 50s movie or something. How goddamn Fuck many. Kidnapping comedies are there, yeah. But it's little... the uh, it's the guys. I just realized that's the guys who made Naked Gun and Top Secret and okay. Airplane. And... Oh shit! Yeah. <laughs> so they like the the slapstick stuff. Um, but yes, I don't know where we're at on time. If there's any other, I mean, we could talk about this um this cat burglary. We can wrap it up. Oh yeah, we should. Oh, I would have. Yeah, I think it is. An interesting reflection. 
Okay, so what happened with this cat? You want to tell us this, this story you, you sent so us? So this is a new story from right here in Memphis real recently, like last month, and it was all over the news. Everyone was talking about it. Somebody went to Memphis Animal Services and stole a kitten. It was actually two young women. I don't know if they were friends or a couple, but they went in, snatched this kitten, and they got security footage of this woman putting the kitten in her purse, and they just booked it. And it turned out that this kitten was already adopted by someone else. The kitten already had an adopter. Uh, <laughs> he was just waiting to be neutered. So people were kind of like, well, this is not just a kitten that's up for grabs. Like, he has a home he's about to go to. Um, and they tracked the women down. They figured out who they were. They basically um, were like, I think they were just like, hey, if you return the kitten, you're not going to be charged or anything which they did but a lot of people were a lot of people who saw this were very sympathetic to the kidnappers like they were like well it sounds like they just like fell in love with the kitten right and even here in the story it's keep they i mean i'm looking at this very short story and like four times in the article even still they're like the cat was priced at 310 dollars. i'm like what <laughs> this is the aspca they're not right well priced in anything. <laughs> apparently they had to do that i think they priced it um in terms of what all the services would have cost if you had like right. gotten them on the market like the spay the shops the microchip that's because, that's so funny to yeah do no because- i know <laughs> it's like it's like uh <laughs> there's no good analogy i guess but it's very strange to say somebody stole something and then like factor in i guess it's like if you rob a bank and then you're like the the, the bank robbers got away with two hundred thousand dollars plus the window they broke is worth about right. thirty five dollars yeah so exactly <laughs> well it's just like you gotta you gotta when the cops show up you have to give them a dollar amount or else they're gonna be like well nothing of value was stolen right um but they got it back right the, they the got it was back recovered. yeah i think it was recovered which is funny because the the article um one of the girls looks a lot like lana del rey does right now um no shade on lana del rey you know but she does look like her and they got some crisp ass pictures of these girls they never had a shot i know getting away with it (laughs) yeah they probably thought no one would care that would have been my assumption as well steal cat from the aspca because you can't afford the shots or whatever um but yes the a little bit of a raising arizona in real life um and with that said, um, Emily, do you have anything you want to plug or anything you want to point people toward? Um, no, I don't. Um, okay, check this out. What if it was gay zing Arizona and he keeps going back to jail because he wants to have gay sex? <laughs> now that's very interesting. That's for the Cometown fans. You're welcome. That's <laughs> cinema. That is cinema. <laughs> All right. Well, we have been Western Kabuki. I am Wack Nicholson. My co-host is bird respecter and you can follow us both on twitter we love you very much editing wag here um also follow i hate nyt i hate new york times that is emily's at on twitter